gas, poison, bullets. I assure you, Professor, were our positions reversed, I should have something more colorful, more imaginative to offer. Hmm. I'm satisfied to be the winner. I shall be alive. Alive, yes. The winner, no. For in the last analysis, I shall have proved the more resourceful man. You didn't trap me here. I came here because I wanted to, to prevent your getting Hoffner. And all you can do in return is to commit ordinary murder, to relieve your sense of frustration. And what, my good Mr. Holmes, could you have conceived that would have been so much more colorful? Well, even offhand. I can improve upon your suggestions considerably, but that's only natural, of course. And what is this brilliant idea of yours? You know that a man dies if he loses five pints of blood. Yes, of course you do. I should have you placed on an operating table, inject a needle into your veins, and slowly draw off your life's blood. The needle to the last, eh, Holmes? Slowly, drop by drop, the blood would be drawn from your body. You would be aware of every exquisite second to the very end. You would be watching yourself die scientifically, noting every reaction, and in full possession of your faculties. Interesting. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You have been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight! Lee, what is that bullshit fan you've got? Do you hear it? No, I can't hear it. I'm just looking oh, at it. Oh, <laughs> no. I literally, I have three fans on in here right now. So I have oh. one at the end of my bed. I have one in the like, corner, and then I have this little guy that's right beside me. So. Looks like you should be making coffee for you or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good fan. It's a little fan, but it's good. All right. I'll take your word for it. Um, welcome back, ladies and gents. Uh, it is They Must Be Destroyed on Sight, episode 239. And I'm your host, Lee. I shall be conscious long after you're dead, Russell. Joined by my co-host, Lee. Full-lipped and very affectionable. Or affectionate. Already. <laughs> Fuck that up. <laughs> I wrote down the words and I can't even read them. That's stupid. <laughs> It's uh, it's funny because that's like the nickname I came up with was the same basis as the nickname you gave me. Thinking yeah. on the same level today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although you know, affectionable isn't actually a word, so I, I don't know. Um, and we are joined by a special guest, Matt. Thought of disemboweling a complete set of Charles Dickens Anderson. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> Good. Thank you guys for having me. I've never felt so aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do around here. Uh, Those are some pretty thick books, too. They were, you know. I don't think I don't think Charles Dickens wrote that much. (laughs) No, yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Actually, is like because it was like what a three volume set. Mm -hmm. It was a comically large book. Yeah, and when he was carrying it so easily, I was like, "That is not a real book." Yeah, saying that right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've carried all those textbooks for school. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Matt, thanks for much, so much for coming on. Um, we sort of know each other from our little like grind bin circle of uh, podcasts. Yes. Yeah. Uh, grind bin, mustachio podcastio, bloody bits. We sort of run in that. We sort of we're sort of like distant satellites. Yeah, sort of I was gonna, that's that. how I that's how I've described myself actually. Of of it is like there is like the the main people, and then I'm kind of a satellite that just kind of orbits, and then every now and then crash lands, and then somehow <laughs> takes back off, orbits, crash. So. I'm a series of crash landings and a podcast is what I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works. So, yeah, Matt, you are our first time uh, guest on this. So as per tradition with this podcast, you get to play the movie God game. Ooh. Are you a god? When someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Movie God. I uh, still haven't gotten around to shortening that quick clip up. Uh, I really should. Uh, <laughs> um, just wait in anticipation. I know. I was going to say, I felt like I should be stretching. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this is going to either, uh, as as usual with me, this is either going to go really well or it's going to be a spectacular failure when it comes to well, the podcast. On average, it's been a spectacular failure. I was going to so. say that's what I'm, <laughs> and that's what I can bring. I can guarantee you a spectacular failure. Like that's right. my. I do know that Matt is legit in comic books, uh, yes. a writer for Ooh. comics. Perusing his uh, Twitter timeline, and of course, also hearing him on like episodes of the Grind Bin and, and such, I do know that you have an affinity for uh, especially DC comics. Yes, uh, seemingly yes. So I'm going to do the movie God game here, uh, Matt. I'm going to give you either two movies, two directors, two composers, whatever it may actors. be, actors, anything like that, and you got to eliminate one of them from the timeline. They never existed. They're dead, gone, never happened. Hey. All right. And once you eliminate one and then choose the other, you got to you know you got to ponder the consequences here. So. I'm going to give you two movies. Uh, Is one of them a Joel Schumacher movie? Because <laughs> that'd be easy. No. Oh, God. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> did I actually step on it? Oh, no. I think, I think maybe you did. You ruined it for him. <laughs> Spectacular failure. Right. From yeah, because I was, I was going to say, you have no. to eliminate one of these two movies, okay. either Batman 1989 or Superman 2. Superman 2. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So I guess Schumacher's kind of involved there. Okay. Uh yeah, Superman 2. And I think yeah, no. The, the, we got to keep Batman. I I and Superman 2 goes because anything that came after that isn't worth keeping. <laughs> and um oh, hmm, you, see now this does get harder though because you get rid of Superman 2, you don't get Superman 3, which means you don't get the plot of Office Space. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, yes. I would like to think that Mike Judge is creative enough that he would have found another movie to pull the plot from as their scam. So mm-hmm. I don't think that needs to. Okay, I'm sticking with Superman 2. Okay. I agree. Um, <laughs> 
that, that that works. You know, maybe you'd well wait, wait a second, wait a second. The Superman four the quest for peace never yes. happens. Does Ooh. Morgan Freeman get his uh, sort of like first real break in a movie when uh, Christopher Reeve got to do uh, what Street Smart because he did the deal with Canon? It's like I'll, I'll do it. Super, oh. I'll do Superman four with you if you let me make this movie that Morgan and, Freeman happens to be, and in. that would impact future Batman movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, mind you. That performance from Jack Nicholson, like I, I would sacrifice a lot because that was like one of my favorite Joker performances. Yeah, yeah. I love that performance too. It's, it's really funny good. Because I went a long time without watching Batman '89, um, and I just watched it uh, with my younger son, like I'd say, like two months ago, and that movie, it, I think it holds up better than I expected it to. You know, I, I know it's it's its own thing. It's like you know, mm-hmm. it's weird. It's kind of accurate to comics, and then not at all. It's kind of completely a Tim Burton movie, but not as much a Tim Burton movie as Batman Returns is. It's like, yeah. it's it's all of these like almost like a movie by half measures, like half a Tim Burton movie, half a you know DC movie. But but yeah, you can't. You can't take it away from Jack Nicholson in that one. And I, yeah, I, I don't think there, there's so much in Superman 2 that like is so groan inducing. I mean, <laughs> I, I, what was it? That's the, yeah, that's the S, the ripping off the S and throwing it. I mean, when, when it comes down to it, like, I love Superman, too, but that that's actually kind of a grind bin movie. Like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's pretty cobbles, cheesy. Right. Well, and it's the fact that, like, that's where all the behind-the-scenes drama spilled out, mm-hmm. you know, with Donner being replaced. And actually, I mean, think about it like that. What was that? It was, like, right around the time Superman Returns came out, they, there was all that big buzz that the Donner cut got released of Superman 2 and it was still mm-hmm. shitty. Yeah. <laughs> it was like half finished well a couple like half finished scenes. I think was it the end of Superman 1 was put onto that one because it's Yeah, that's what it was supposed to be. Yeah. To turning the earth back or See, actually this is the thing about Superman like he's kind of my all-time favorite character. I mean, do you ever have those things where like you there's a character that's kind of like far and away your favorite, but in day-to-day stuff, there's other characters that you like to read. I mm-hmm. guess like there's a the Blue Beetle, the Ted Cord Blue Beetle from DC Comics is like my what I would say is my day-to-day favorite character. If there's a comic that he is in, no matter what, I will buy it and I will read it. But mm-hmm. overall, Superman's my favorite character. And honestly, like I was thinking about it, I don't know if he's really had a, a a movie that lives up to him as a character. And I know that's weird because everyone loves super the first movie so much, but mm-hmm. there are just, there are elements of that movie that I can't get past like the end. Like I just, the whole turning the earth back. Yeah. I that's... just, it really ruins so much for me that I'm like, I have a feeling, I have a theory that like Superman is the like, almost most neglected iconic character when it comes to movies you know like everyone knows who it is, who he is and like yet the best you can do is point to like three quarters of a movie and say like ah yeah they got they did it <laughs> don't pay attention to that last 
half an hour. You know, I don't know. I, I think I, I think I fall into the same category with that with that too because it's wow, I really like Superman in you know the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, shit. I really like where the character went. You know, where he he be kind becomes like this Boy Scout sellout for this like fascist American mm-hmm. government, basically. You know, because you know at, at heart he's still a Kansas farm boy and a patriot, yeah. and he kind of buys into that ideal. Yeah, and you know, so that's interesting way to change the character and shit. But there's, I can't think of a Superman movie outside of maybe some of the animated stuff for DC that mm-hmm. yeah. um, really gets the character right. right? No, yeah. I mean, for me, I go back to the George Reeves, the Adventures of Superman show from the '50s. Like as well, cheap yeah. as it is and stuff, that to me is still my favorite screen portrayal of, of the character, and that's saying something that I have to go back. You know, that far for a character that still appears everywhere. But like, I, I it's like either I feel like people want to overthink him because mm-hmm. they, they, they don't want to like just lean into the like how good he is and that gets them in a trap or they decide that like, oh, no, let's just make him boring. And they can't seem to mm-hmm. find, you know, and I feel like that's also where Superman 2 went. Well, I don't really I think the director that came in didn't necessarily like him as a character (laughs) and so it was just like well what if he just had stuff and just this weapon that he could throw and i don't know (laughs) although you know uh batman 89 uh, sort of suffers from the same problem because you could tell tim burton doesn't give a shit about batman right like yeah (laughs) yeah well or in you know and superman would get that kind of treatment a little bit later with Zack snyder like Mm -hmm. He cl- Zack Snyder clearly loved Batman more than he loved Superman. It's like, you know, he may have directed a Superman movie, but when it came to like Batman versus Superman, it was like so obvious that he's like, I, I like Batman more. Well, yeah. his version of Batman, like, yeah. you know, and it's like once again, yeah, you feel like it just keeps. You know, I understand kind of comic book movies where like the villain can. It actually seems to happen more with the DC movies. And I think about it, the villains upstage the heroes so much more. And then Marvel kind of sometimes suffers the, the opposite oh, yeah. consequence, which Definitely. is like the villains become in a lot of cases, really forgettable. That you, mm-hmm. that, so you have the time in, in the Marvel universe, the villains are created by like Tony Stark. Like right. here's something, here's something you fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. And now it's coming back to biting the ass. You know, and that's funny. Cause that's one of the things that like, why I like, DC comics in general more. I mean, I I'm not so one of the, I'm not one of those people that has uh, that ever had like the well I don't read Marvel because I only like DC you know but like <laughs> I like the I I, I kind of prefer really wholly embracing like the fictional aspect. I don't need the superheroes to live in a real city to make them more appealing. If anything, I kind of like that Gotham is this place that you could point to different things and say like, oh, it's kind of Chicago. Oh, it's kind of New York. One of my favorite uh, comics of all time was uh, in the 90s called Starman. A guy named James Robinson wrote the entire run and that took place in Opal City, which was obviously a fictional city. And he made that city such a character that like they would do whole issues that were just focused on like a time in that city's history that didn't have the main character in it. And but it all paid off, and I feel like sometimes you get things where people use like, "Well, Spider-Man's from New York." That's shorthand for you can relate to him. And I, yeah. I, don't, I don't always, you know, 
I don't feel like that to it. So I don't think it did. I in I did answer your question though. I, you did. That was my godlike role. Sorry, we got to yeah. talking about comics. That's okay. Just, no, it was good. I go it's into good. a fugue state. It's like comics. It, it, oh. it helped. It helped people forget my in, incredible failure with my question. So it's fun. Fun fact. Uh, so. Batman, 1989 Batman, was the first superhero movie I was ever introduced to as a kid. Nice. Yeah, and I had it on VHS, and I watched it so much. So that's the reason why I, like, blurted that out so quick, because I was like, no, that movie is, like, a part of my life. Yeah, well, and it's funny, because, you know what, and just since I did kind of step on your question, I will say something in defense of Joel Schumacher really quick in his Batman movies, (laughs) which they are a complete mess, but I admire his willingness to like jump into a successful franchise and go like, look, I'm going to do this the way I can do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to just be a Tim Burton knockoff (laughs) that they let him take it as far as he did in, in especially Batman and and Robin. They're not good movies. Like I tried to like, I tried, (laughs) you know, sometimes those that Batman and Robin should be one of those, like so bad. It's good. Like, it, it's got all of the, you know, it's got all of the elements that you need, like mm-hmm. actors that are miscast, just, you know, overblown production, all of that stuff that should make it that, like, enjoyable train wreck. And then you watch it, and you're like, but it's really just not good. Like, just no. it, it just does not flow. But I got to give Joel Schumacher credit for, like, saying this is the Batman that I like and this is what I'm going to make. And, mm-hmm. you know, because it would have yeah. been t- so easy to walk in after Burton and just say, okay, the template's basically there. He kind of made the Adam West Batman, but like in 90s skin. Right. Kind of thing, right. So I think, and I think he might have been better suited if he really owned, I don't, because he, he would always kind of dodge that question in interviews. It would always be like, well, this is the Batman that I like. Or this is the Batman that I see. Where it's like, dude, if you just said, hey, that super successful show, yeah, I'm just doing the big screen version of that. Maybe people might have taken to it a little bit better. Yeah. And plus, you need those to go as badly as they did to get Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you gotta, you have to have Schumacher in there. Whereas, keep Superman 2, you still don't get anything good out of that trade. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know... Batman 89, you eventually get Batman the animated series basically yes. because of that. So yeah. like that that sells itself right there. And some great <laughs> and some great comics actually. Uh, yeah. the the writer, the Sam Ham, my favorite screenwriter just because his name rhymes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh actually that Batman 89 has that weird thing where the two credited screenwriters, Sam Ham and War was it Warren Scarin? They're like their names both <laughs> kind of rhyme. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's um he wrote a, a tie-in series when the Batman 89 movie came out. They gave him, like, Detective Comics for three three months huh. leading up to the 600th issue. And he wrote an incredible story that was in DC continuity. And right now, just last week, issue one of uh, Batman 89 came out. Uh, it's a new six-issue series, which is the, the... He wrote the sequel before Burton replaced him with the guy who wrote Heathers, because that's Burton's way. Uh, <laughs> so they are doing that original version now as a comic with the um, Marlon Wayans Robin that you guys remember he was cast originally. Um, and they even did outfits. So like, so you can actually 
and the first issue was phenomenal. Like it was so if you really like Batman 89, check out the comic of the same name because you'll see the sequel that kind of got uh sidelined for uh for Batman Returns and it's it's good. Right on. All right. Uh we can move on now to what we watched in the last little while. If you have anything, Matt, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So I will be <laughs> utterly predictable here. I watched The Suicide Squad mm-hmm. um, to keep with the DC Comics thing. And I've actually watched that twice, which is v- weird for me to watch a new movie more than once. But I got to say, like, there's nothing about this. There's nothing that ha- hasn't been said about it already. But I love it. It was brilliant. I think my favorite aspect about it is I think it's a movie that started as like a troll of like, you know, Warner Brothers trolling Disney. <laughs> you know, Disney fires James Gunn for some, you know, old tweets. And, D- you know, DC Warner Brothers just zooms in and says, hey, come come with us. And I, I, I have to believe that they were like. Yeah, dude, just write whatever screenplay you want. Like, doesn't matter. R rated, yeah. just just write it <laughs> with no intent that they were really going to make it, but just to get that like press of like Disney ditches this guy, you know, and we we snapped him up. It's it, I mean, it's classic Marvel DC comic book rivalry where they would swap, you know, steal creators away from each other. The guy who was yeah. writing Spider Man suddenly went and wrote Superman, and it's mm-hmm. you know. Um, I feel like that's where this started and then they got his screenplay and it was as crazy as it could they could possibly imagine but I think they were like no we we should make this movie like so I don't know I, I think everything about it just hit hit the right it's really good for me yeah and and it's one of those things where it's like I, I'm sure everyone knows everything about it now and it's not like there's stuff to spoil or anything you know but I find that it's a movie I don't want to say much about because I mm-hmm. it's I feel like it's a movie that like I will love to watch with people that haven't seen it to watch them watch it for the first time you know like it's it's, it's got some really cool surprises in it like the way the way it goes like you don't expect it to yeah. do the things it does it, from I haven't seen it, it yet so I'm pretty excited to see it you should watch it like I it's I feel like James Gunn is a guy that he he, he kind of does a weird thing where it's like he makes really personal movies with other people's characters, which mm-hmm. doesn't I mean, that's not an easy thing to do because either it comes off really like ham handed, just like, oh, OK, you're going for like tearjerker moments with characters or that the personal attachment gets buried under just the excess of the movies and yeah I, th- I think the best thing with this though is like with the suicide squad he gets to i can pick any obscure like d tier yeah. dc character from like 40 years ago that no one's ever fucking heard of yep like i can stick him on the suicide squad and do whatever the fuck i want with them exactly so. yeah and 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 honestly that that's the brilliant thing, right? You've got this incredible catalog of characters. And if you just show them in the right light, put them in the right context, suddenly Polka Dot Man is a character that you are on an emotional <laughs> journey with. Like legitimately like on an emotional journey with. And you're like, mm-hmm. Polka Dot Man, really? Like, <laughs> so, you know, you got it. I feel like you have to like, 
just I applauded. forgot about him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he's so good. And like, you know, that guy, I cannot pronounce. It's David something. Yeah, he's in know. the Ant-Man movies as like one of the friends. Mm-hmm. He was in The Dark Knight, actually. He's, uh, do you remember when um, it's right after Gordon gets shot and Harvey Dent has got that one like crazy Joker goon or whatever. And it's the first time he flips the coin and Batman sees that like it's a two headed coin. So he was never going to kill him. That guy is Polka Dot Man. The guy that's like the. Hmm. So just a little fact, I guess. Tidbit thrown out there. Why not? (laughs) The guy whose name I can't pronounce who plays Polka Dot Man was also briefly in The Dark Knight. Can you can you put the more you know music over me? Yeah. <laughs> I'll look into that. Anything else, Matt? Or um, I've watched a bunch of uh, the '90s show Nightman. Do you remember <laughs> that superhero show? Yeah, I've, although you know, uh, I would I'd, I'd, I'd cer- I'd certainly <laughs> recommend people check out the uh, if if you're not subscribed or you know part of the Patreon for oh, Grind Bin, yeah. uh, you should do that. It's very cost effective. It's not not a lot of money. It's like you know you can get two bucks like a month, two bucks a month, or whatever the fuck. Yep. And you get you can hear about Nightman, one of the weirdest fucking superhero series ever made. I'm obsessed with it. Like I mm-hmm. would do an entire podcast on. Well, Glenn Larson, the creator, co- kind of creator, who um, is a huge TV name, um, does this really weird low budget superhero show that's based on a Marvel comic, but not really a Marvel comic. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So we've done we we talked about two episodes of it on the Grindbin Patreon, but uh, since that's behind a paywall, I do need to recommend. So anyone should watch Nightman season two, the episode called Manimal. <laughs> so in it, Manimal, which was a TV show for mm-hmm. eight episodes in the early eighties, that yep. character comes back into season two of Nightman because the same guy created both, and the guy clearly hates Nightman and is constantly every episode is him trying to like backdoor pilot another show to like yeah. Nightman. He teams up Nightman with Manimal to fight a time traveling Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. And it makes no sense. It is the craziest 40 minutes of TV and <laughs> and everyone should watch it. It's like on Tubi. I think it's on Amazon. You will, you'll thank me. It is fucking crazy as shit. So it really is. So that, yeah, that's the kind of stuff I watch. All right. Uh, <laughs> Lee, anything you want to mention? <laughs> I feel like my stuff is garbage. Um, yeah. I, I just, I just, just talked about <laughs> Nightman and Manimal. Yeah. Okay, there's Jack there's some that are just supposed to be like these ridiculous like movie or yeah movies TV shows that are kind of so bad they're good. No, I just watched the ones that were like made to be these rom coms that you're supposed to fall in love with for oh. stupid reasons and they're just garbage. Like, like they're forces just of nature. Garbage. <laughs> I watched I watched uh, from Prada to Nada. And uh, I kept seeing it. I saw it on like Netflix. I saw it on Amazon. And I was looking for a movie just to kind of like relax to. So I was like, okay, I'll put this on. I'll try it out. I keep seeing it. I don't know why I watched it. <laughs> I, I enjoy I do enjoy like a good uh, romantic comedy. But I don't even know how this is a comedy. It's not funny. There's no real plot line. There's no like actual climax. If it is, it's very disappointing. Like it's, do you, it's do you just. Do you think they had the name first? 
Probably. Do, do you think they just were like, that's a great title. Do something with it. Yeah, because even like the whole from rich to poor, it was done so terribly and poorly. Uh, oh, yeah, it. It just, yeah, so they lose their riches. Yeah. Yeah, like Shit's Creek, when they did their series, they did yeah. it very well from like the rich to poor. Yeah. This movie, I don't know what they thought they were doing like it was really the dumbest thing and there's a lot of things that made no sense like the aunt made the girl sell her car and then gave the money to the aunt and i was like why are you giving the money to the aunt like i'm confused at this process like i understand the selling the car because she's making less money yeah but why does the aunt have all the money now like anyways yeah there's all these like things and there's it just it was really dumb it was really bad it was really dumb i really hated it was it a lifetime movie i don't know i don't that's I have no idea. I, I feel ashamed for watching it. Like, doesn't it doesn't just, sound doesn't sound nearly as good as uh, what was it, Mambo Italiano that we watched? Oh. Okay, that was a, such a fun movie. I love. Yeah, that, that movie. was that was good. Like that. That, that was a that's, great movie. That's a like a romantic comedy that actually had something to say about shit. Yeah, I I truly enjoyed that movie. This one was just literally like you said. They had a title and they're like, "Hey, yeah. let's <laughs> put that guy from the '70s show in here." And uh, oh, which one? Oh. Um, what's his name? <laughs> the the Spanish guy. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Not the so, rapist. Okay. Right, Not yeah. the rapist. So, no. So the the uh, yo mama guy was that the show uh, that he did? Yeah, the one, the foreigner. Yeah, fez, the foreign fez. kid. He's like tangentially Candy from Manny. Brazil, Brazil or someplace. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm glad yeah. you're, I'm glad you're vetting these movies before you like try to spring one of them on me. Oh, don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. I. I'm very particular about the movies I pick that we get to watch together. Right. But uh, anyways, and then I decided to watch The Craft because I was a really big fan of the original mm-hmm. Craft. Oh, the, so I the wanted to see the remake. God damn it. Was it ever dumb? <laughs> like, uh, I wanted to love it. I wanted to so bad. And the intro yeah. was very promising. Like there's this really cool bond between uh, the one uh, character and the mother uh like the main character and their mother and i was like oh this is awesome but it was one of these movies that tries to be so goddamn progressive like forces progression on your face like i'm a very much like i am that person who's frontline with a lot of the causes but this was too much for me like yeah. this was really like in your face like it was rude to the almost the point where it was rude they completely changed this guy's um personality and it none of them it doesn't bother any of them like yeah he turned out to be a better person who was more caring but it was because of a spell they did that they completely changed him and he didn't really learn anything they just created this guy they wanted to through magic like it's just it's a very forced concept of like we're gonna magically change people to believe our beliefs like I don't know. And then there were some issues that were brought up that I was like, okay, this is a good talking point. And it just kind of got flushed in the background. Um, there was one part where this guy like sleeps, walks, sleepwalks into a girl's bedroom and it's never brought up again. Like it seemed like it was going to be a really big point, but it ended up being just like, um, I can't remember the term now. Al- uh, Alfred Hitchcock had that term. Oh, uh, McGuffin. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it's just there's so many of those like it just seemed like oh there's point and part in this movie oh it's not important and is it Anyways. is it a rem it, is it a remake or is it like a semi sequel is it it's a sequel yeah it's a sequel Fruza Bulk has like a cameo in it okay right? 
uh, I don't know. Okay, I assume that you guys are never going to watch this movie. <laughs> I, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, okay. I, I have seen the original, but it's it's not it's not worth watching. Don't bother. It's not worth it. It's not that great at all. Like I really didn't care for it. They tried too hard. Um. Anyways, yeah, she's in it right at the end for like uh, ten seconds, and again, it's almost they're trying to make like another sequel from it, yeah, like how they yeah. did it, but. Oh my god! I or I almost feel like she was in it just to be in it because like oh, they asked her and then she realized afterwards. It, is it it's, the one it, you could get? It, it's yeah. it, well, I mean, she's the only one left really that anyone gives a shit about, right? For the bulk, basically. Like who else from the original craft really? Nev Campbell, but I guess she's too busy going back to scream. So yeah, like they're not going to get Nev Campbell. Like they're not going to pull her. But I mean, at the same time, it's like so they're doing. Sounds like they're doing what Shyamalan did with Split, where yeah. it's like at the end, Secret Bruce Secret. Willis, yeah, or like, <laughs> it's like, oh, Bruce Willis, it's a universe, right? And we know we got the craft universe coming out, you know, like, and it's probably not. Uh, it's really poor. It is really, really, really bad. Like I had such high hopes. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing the ads and thinking they were really cheesy because they had a lot of sparkly effects. And I do enjoy how they took like a different approach to this. Uh, at the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm a little hopeful, a little bit cheesy at times, but a little bit hopeful. And then it just got dumb. Like, it just mm-hmm. it was stupider got, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then I watched, okay, sorry, I like I literally watched a lot of bad movies that I was hoping would be good. Uh, and then I watched The Prisoner, the one with Jackie Chan in it. Okay. They say Jackie Chan's in it. He's not really in it. Okay. <laughs> he's like occasionally in the movie, but he's literally, if you look at all the advertisements, like Jackie Chan, the prisoner, and he's in it for like a couple minutes here and there. There's hardly any martial arts in it. Like the fighting that they do have is fucking brilliant. Like every time I see a Jackie Chan movie, I watch it for the fighting. Even if this whole storyline's bad, I watch it for the fighting. Oh, like wait, the wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, that, yeah. that, that movie was just released like in the last couple years, right? No, this is like 1980, 1992, 1990, 1989, oh, really? 1990. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, was about, a, I was about to say Jackie Chan really doesn't do anything anymore in his movies, but yeah. Um, but not that far back, that is surprising. This is, I, I'm pretty sure this is when he didn't even speak English. Like, this is how long ago it was. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it was this plot line itself was, uh, it could have been done in like a half hour. Like realistically, it could have been done. It could have been a TV series, like they did, like an episode of this, right? And uh, instead of making a movie out of it, because it just felt so pushed and like uh, drawn out, and just added scenes that were just pointless. And again, the fighting scenes that were there were way too short. It did not make it worth watching the movie. So, and then I watched Kinky Boots, which I do actually enjoy, but that speaks for itself. Kinky, kinky boots. Okay. Kinky boots. Oh, boot! Oh, boots! I thought you said. Boots. Have you never heard of Kinky Boots? No, I haven't heard of that either. <gasps> no, that's an amazing movie. I love that movie. It's like this goofy movie about saving um, a family-owned shoe company, um, and this guy runs into a drag queen, and he starts designing uh, footwear for men who dress as women. Okay. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's just this cheesy, funny, goofy movie. Like it's a feel-good movie. Sounds with like a message. We'll to, sounds like we'll have to watch it then. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the list. All right, cool. Uh, I just got one I'll mention. Um, I watched on Shutter. just came out this week. Uh, Jacob's Wife. Uh, oh. It's got Barbara Crampton in it. 
Uh, it's got Larry Fessenden in it. Um, it. It's got, strangely enough, CM Punk, the wrestler, mm-hmm. uh, in a like a sort of small oh, cameo crashing. role. UFC fighter. For no, two he's, a, fights. He's, he's a he's a he's a wrestler again, so he it might was, actually win a few was, fights again. Yeah, um, it was a joke. <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's it's a pretty decent vampire tale it's got a bit of a little bit of a feminist slant to it um uh the like so basically it's barbara crampton is this sort of kept preacher's wife or minister's wife um who is you know very reserved uh always gets talked over by her husband larry fessenden fessenden who's you know that guy is an interesting dude like yeah He's really good in this. Uh, he, he usually dies in most of the movies. He's in, he doesn't <laughs> die in this one. Spoilers, okay. but but um, I think Fessenden at this point has reached full Jack Nicholson he, mode. Dude, he's been like on just this ever like inching towards it. Like I remember him in uh, Session Nine, mm-hmm. that uh, horror movie, and it's a great movie. I love that movie, and you know he's in it for kind of almost like an extended cameo and you just mm-hmm. really felt like it was like okay jack nicholson's here mm-hmm. <laughs> he he is he's he's fully in like middle-aged jack nicholson mode like he looks sh- fucking just looks like jack nicholson in the 90s like yeah. that's what he looks like right now mm-hmm. and uh so him and crampton they just fucking own the screen crampton you know i i, I think I, i'm gonna argue this that really she is the greatest modern screen queen like if you're talking like 1980s onward because mm-hmm. she's 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 not only like had a really cool career where she was in her heyday but like since she's come back and started like really doing movies say, again i think she's really she's one of those people that coming back she has done better for like her her image and herself like mm-hmm. some people they come back and it's always like the hints of desperation or whatever <laughs> yeah but she is like become almost a horror goodwill ambassador mm-hmm. while still doing some of her better work, which is not something that usually happens. So, yeah, no. Uh, so like, it's pretty good. Like it, it, there's nothing super original in it. Like other than like a bit of the feminism angle, like it, it's about her, you know, changing from this meek, mild preacher's wife, basically to, this super confident, aggressive, you know, vampire who, you know, she gets bitten by this master vampire who's this Nosferatu type. So it's very much like in the vein of like a uh, a Salem's Lot version of of a vampire, you know, Nosferatu looking. Uh, But there's still a slant on that character too. Very different. The agendas is is a little different with the, the vampire. It's got a bit of a humorous tone underneath it, too. So it, it kind of comes off as like uh, creep show ish EC comics kind of vibe to it as well, which I appreciated some really good gore moments. Practical effects looks really good. Um, I think the only thing that I didn't buy in the movie is there's not enough of a transformation between like her preacher's wife fucking persona and her vampire persona because Barbara Crampton is so still fucking gorgeous at like age 60 or whatever. Yeah. Where, where they needed to like uglier her up a bit, like make her more plain Jane as a preacher's wife. But even yeah. at the beginning of the film, I'm like, she's fucking super fucking hot. <laughs> and, and there are just those, you know, 
people that like you can't do that i mean like it doesn't matter what you do to them like there are people that like transform and then there are ones that it's just like it now it just kind of shines through regardless Mm -hmm. and yeah Yeah. uh but yeah totally recommended though it's a fun little uh sort of time waster uh really good performances cm punk is really good in it like if, if anyone's wondering like how good of an actor is cm punk he did really good. That guy's it. got a lot of charisma just in, mm-hmm. in general, like which, you know, he seems like a guy that almost will succeed in whatever it is that he does. Except yeah. for UFC. Other than getting punched <laughs> in the head for real. Yeah. Okay. Although, although you know. Charisma uh, didn't play a lot in that though, right? Yeah. Although, I mean. I don't know. Have you met uh, uh, Conor McGregor? <laughs> although, 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 I mean. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll say this though, like, uh, and anyone who steps in the fucking octagon's got my fucking respect. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. he 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 chose to step in and fight on a level with people who their entire life is dedicated to like winning yeah. fights, right? Like, so you know, even even if you go in and you lose, that's yeah. still more than most people fucking do. So it is terrifying to step do. in a ring too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like not a chance you get. Uh, like I remember my fr- I had an exhibition fight and my first exhibition fight I remember having like a panic attack right beforehand I was like what the fuck am I doing why am I doing this why am I what am I doing you get in the ring and then all of a sudden like it just turns into adrenaline but yeah you go through crazy amounts of like mm-hmm, before you get into that ring so to yeah. be at that level like I was amateur like some showcase shit he was like professional UFC right. so it's even more because you got the crowds and you got expectations and everything mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I can only imagine like the psychological experience you go doing or you go through doing that. Yeah. yeah. My flight instinct is just so rock solid. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, nope, that's I, I I would be a cartoon cloud. Like if I, if I found myself in the ring, you would see me and then you would see like a version of me that is made of dust. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, we're going to take a break and, uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Sherlock Holmes and the secret weapon. And, uh, I got a feeling guys, I got a feeling that this is, uh, what's going to happen. We got this, man. We got this by the ass. All right. Perfect, baby. Perfect. You ungodly warlock. Motion Picture Massacre is dedicated to exploitation, cult, grindhouse, and horror films from the last 7,500 fucking years. I don't fucking know. It's everything. If you're interested in that, check out motionpicturemassacre.com or if you're on iTunes, search Motion Picture Massacre and you'll find it. This has been your announcer, Cowardly Fuck Your Bags, signing off. Eat a dick. You ungodly warlock.
Okay, Sherlock Holmes and the Secret Weapon from 1942. This is directed by Roy William Neal, who basically did the not not really the back half, more like the the middle to back half of all of these sort of uh, Sherlock Holmes films. Like this is the second of the uh, Universal uh, Sherlock Holmes films, um, fourth of all in the series of the fourteen. Uh, but this is after you know Fox sort of dropped the series and Universal bought up the rights and we're like, hey, we're just going to bring on Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce and uh, we're going to put Sherlock Holmes in the 1940s instead of in Victorian times and, and make him <laughs> a, a spy smasher kind of guy. But yeah, Roy William Neal, he did uh, these. Before this, he was known for stuff like uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. But then he went on to do Sherlock Holmes uh, in Washington. Sherlock Holmes faces death. Uh, the Spider Woman, The Scarlet Claw, The Pearl of Death, House of Fear, The Woman in Green, Pursuit in Algiers, and Terror by Night. And he produced most of the last ones, too. Like, nine out of the ten last Sherlock Holmes films he produced. Uh, and he died super early, like age 46 of a heart attack or some shit. Like, it's because he was working all the time. Yeah, yeah he, he, had, he had worked right from the silent era straight yeah. through. You know, probably smoked 18 packs of cigarettes oh. a day. Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is written by Edward T. Lowe Jr., Scott Darling, Edmund L. Hartman, and of course, based on Arthur Conan Doyle's stories. It's somewhat based on the dancing men, but very tangentially. So I um, I read uh, The Dancing Men last night. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I'd read it before, but like, I, I always love, I mean, older movies I, I guess movies probably still do it but like especially older movies if they had like just the slightest connection to like a reputable source <laughs> they were not shy about like the based on credit like oh man you know yeah, yeah. they'd have nothing to do with each other I mean in, in these in these movies especially the series you look at there's little nods here and there yeah. to the actual text. And like, so, you know, they had like a couple people on the writing staff or whatever who were mm. like Sherlock Holmes nerds or knew the text or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, well, we need to put this idea in somewhere. Right. And they're like, cool. That how's that work into our Nazi smashing script? Right. <laughs> well, and actually, like part of the Universal uh, and maybe you guys have covered this before when you did other movies. But part of the deal with Universal was like uh, it was almost actually the one for them one for me one for them so the idea was supposed to be original screenplay one movie next movie based on source material mm. original based on and and but because of the way they ended up doing it like the based on source material was more almost original than the original screenplays because <laughs> it's like this i think counted as the entry that was based on source material yeah and other than they literally lifted the look of the dancing men out of the Conan Doyle story. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It is literally the existence of the cipher. And mm -hmm. then beyond that, the story, since I just read it last night is about a, a woman that is got a mysterious past and her husband doesn't know like why she's so freaked out. And he keeps finding these like, chalk drawings. So it, it's weird because it's like sometimes there's little scraps of paper with dancing men. Sometimes it's like chalk drawings on the windowsill or like on a shed. And mm -hmm. then he's copying them down and giving them to Holmes. And so his wife is tormented by this. 
And then it turns out that it was like a guy that from America. Yeah. It's like an American gangster. Yeah. 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 They, they all, they grew up together and, and she was promised to him when they were younger and the crime boss that they all worked for had developed this dancing men, um, as a way to like hide their, uh, their criminal activities as childish drawings, which I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I have kids and like, I've seen their drawings and I'm not saying stick figures doing hieroglyphics poses are like complicated, but no child draws them that consistently. (laughs) No. So that was a really bad way to try and hide it. Um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, the whole the whole story is like 11 pages or no, it's like 18 pages. It's woman with mysterious past, criminal background, mm-hmm. dancing men as a way to communicate. That's it. So no Nazis. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> no, no Nazis at all. No weird radar mm-hmm. bombing weapon. Yeah, what is it? special radar site site for yeah. bombing whatever so. uh yeah uh but of course cast here we have um basil rathbone as sherlock holmes nadja bruce is dr watson lionel atwell is moriarty no. um one of three people to play moriarty in the series and lionel atwell was actually in the second sherlock holmes film as a different character no, actually, maybe the first one. No, it was. It, uh, I think it was the second one. It was, was it the uh, second one? Yeah, it was a so. different character, but yeah. Uh, Karen Vim as Charlotte uh, Ebriel. Uh, William Post Jr. as Dr. Franz Tobel. Dennis Huey as Lestrade. Holmes Herbert as Sir Reginald. And Mary Gordon as Miss Hudson. And we have a synopsis here from Gary KMCD from IMDb. Working for the British government, Sherlock Holmes manages to spirit Dr. Franz Tobel out of Switzerland and into England before the Gestapo are able to get to him. Tobel has uh, devised an immensely accurate bomb site, and and while he is willing to make it available to the Allies, he insists on manufacturing itself because he's from Sweden, so they're, you know, they're neutral. Yeah, they're neutral. <laughs> they're neutral until you know you you pay them enough, and they'll 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 go with you. So he's uh, Swedish, okay? Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Uh, doesn't doesn't they don't really sell it in this film? But uh, yeah, still. Uh, soon, however, he vanishes and is left to Holmes, assisted by the bumbling Doctor Watson, to decipher the coded message he left behind. Holmes soon's real, soon realizes he's up against his old nemesis, Professor Moriarty. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of. That, that's not bad. Um, <laughs> it's not a mystery. Like, that, no. that's the one thing, you know, you go to Sherlock Holmes and you go, ah, there's a mystery. This one is, Mm-mm. there's no this, mystery. This is, this is a spy film, straight up a spy film. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll move over to you first, uh, Matt. What are your sort of general thoughts on this one? For me, like, this is one of my favorite movie series of all time. The, the, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Basil Rathbone is everything that I think Sherlock Holmes is like that's there's no no one is even close to him in terms of portrayal I will always make every excuse for every one of these movies (laughs) (laughs) I will go I I will I will contort myself in to defend (laughs) every (laughs) every stupid aspect of it um but uh but yeah I guess overall like the thing that makes me like the, about this one in particular um, is that they just 
don't do a mystery aspect mm-hmm. of it at all. I mean, I know, I guess there's, yeah, you don't know what the, the dancing men code is, but you basically, you may not know what, what exactly it says, but you know what it says. I mean, there's, they could have not given you the answer and you'd still know, Oh, it's some form of instruction about what needs to happen. So, you know, that makes this one weirdly light. Like there's almost nothing to this movie Although I have to say, I feel like everyone who made Mission Impossible 2 saw this movie and was like, oh, disguises and then just removing them. We can make a whole movie about this. (laughs) Every time they put Holmes in a disguise, which is multiple times in this Mm. movie, none of them are convincing. (laughs) I was just thinking like, oh, I just I kept thinking of Tom Cruise taking the the face off and uh, (laughs) in uh mission impossible too but um but yeah I, but again that being said i love this movie so <laughs> yeah they they do a lot of disguises in this movie it's like so what, what what does holmes do what does he do in the stories well he solves mysteries well we yeah. don't really have a mystery does he right. do anything else he wears disguises sometimes right. yeah okay this, you know what's weird is like so and in basil rathbone is a guy that you like you know it's him no matter like they can't i mean so have to way too distinctive you would have to do like i mean you'd basically have to put him like i I don't even know what you could do to him you'd have have to to, put like a full mask on him you'd have to you'd have to break his nose yeah and and there was actually i don't remember which movie it is in the series but there's another one coming up where he it opens with holmes in disguise and you're not supposed to know it's him and they did the smarter thing that they had someone else dub his voice. So, I mean, it's kind of a cheat in the sense mm-hmm. that, like, you know, you really can't figure it out because they're really hiding it. But, like, that's the other thing. It's he's a great actor, but that voice is also too distinct. It's like you yeah. can't you you'll hear it in every accent he puts on or every voice. It's like, no, that's Basil Rathbone. There's <laughs> I, he's not hiding it. So <laughs> uh, Lady Lee. First off, gonna ask: Have you ever watched any Sherlock Holmes anything? And what are what are your sort of general thoughts on this? I've only watched like the newer Sherlock Holmes stuff. So I the Robert seen... Robert Downey Jr. Or are you talking? TV yeah, and the Robert Downey Jr. and the TV series with um, Cumberbatch. Mm-hmm. Cumber Cumberbatch. Yeah. 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 Anyways, yeah, I've watched those, and I've I've enjoy- always enjoyed them all. I do. I enjoy Sherlock Holmes in general. He's a cocky asshole, and I don't know why. I just love it because. Uh, even when he was talking about the blonde to Watson, just the way he talks to him and just the way he like degrades him. He's like, um, of course you can see this. Oh, so easy to tell. And, uh, yeah. So I, yeah, I always enjoy these. I think they're really cool, but I do agree. Um, there was no mystery. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was really funny. Uh, how he explained the whole <coughs> slow death. It kind of reminded me of James Bond, where yeah. it's like, I can just shoot you now. Yes. Or <laughs> I can <laughs> do this crazy death scene where you're going to have to try and escape or someone's going to have time to come help you. And uh, But mind you, he did it in a more smaller, more smarter sense because he did say like, hey, we're rivalries. Don't you want right. to kill me in a more like slow, painful, whatever death? So it did give people to start uh, his team a chance to catch up but uh yeah i i did enjoy this 
I'm always the person. I always want more action. I'm just like an action junkie, so throw yeah. it all at me. But I, I still did enjoy it. I did. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't hurt that it's only like an hour and eight minutes long. Yeah. You know? so yeah. I think like, it, it kind of benefited that it wasn't as long. Like this yeah. is this is like a TV series now. Like this. <laughs> From this yeah. point forward in the series, I mean, they're yeah, they're like one a year. So I mean, these are like. When they say programmers as like in reference to these kinds of movies, that's exactly what they are, you know? Yeah, because like when when Fox did the first two, they had like they were prestige. Yeah, they had big budgets behind them. They were like they were set in Victorian times. So, you know, they even though they might have been using like cheap sets that they already had and shit. But, you know, like for the first one, Hounds of the Baskervilles, they actually like constructed a whole set, like a whole piece of the Moors, you know, mm-hmm. in, in England and everything, and, and did all that shit. And but here it, it's all low budget. It's like Universal's like we're going to cut the budget in half. We're yeah. going to make these cheap programmers. We're going to put out like five a fucking year. But at the same time, they still look really good. Like they don't look cheap at all. Well, that's kind like- of one of the things about Universal, though. At this time, is they were constantly slashing budgets left and right you know even though Mm. like everything all of their big budget like horror movies which this this series is kind of lumped in a lot with the universal monster movies although it's not Mm -hmm. supernatural but they kind of did the same thing which is they just they got cheaper and cheaper but there is the benefit of one shooting on the universal lot so you're going to have a lot of production value just kind of sitting around Mm mm-hmm and then because Roy William Neal, you know, stuck around and directed all of them, I think he was, a, you know, you don't have that learning curve of um, direct, new director coming in and not knowing the limitations or um, yeah, whatever, just trying to get their like get their footing on the series. So I, I feel like that, you know, the built in production value of it being universal at this time and one director riding out the series kept these looking better than they probably had any right to based on mm-hmm. their, you know, the care that like universal had for them, which, and also increasingly, uh, how much, uh, Rathbone didn't care about being in them. I mean, no, he, he notoriously was like really dismissive of, of like the quality of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause what, one thing that to keep in mind is that like, between the two Fox movies and the, this uh, Universal series, I mean, what basically got the Universal series off the ground was um, Rathbone and uh, Bruce did it on radio. They they mm-hmm. were, and then they continued doing the radio shows during this whole time. So you know, you're not just seeing you know Rathbone be Holmes like on screen. He is on a weekly radio show that is, I can't remember how many hundred, like a couple hundred episodes. So yeah. A guy, you know, he really couldn't escape this role. And unfortunately, like, you know, some people are pretty good. There are people that embrace that, you know, that kind of say, okay, this is what I, I'm known for. Cool. I'm going to just ride, ride this out. But, uh, I don't, he, he didn't quite, he couldn't quite do that. And while I think when you watch the movies, he's pretty good about, not letting that show too much you listen to some of those radio shows like the latter the later ones and they will find any reason to have Holmes not be in a scene and you're like oh <laughs> this was you know this was definitely like Rathbone saying yeah I'm not gonna 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm read this dialogue. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, he, he's gonna, he's gonna Christopher Lee Dracula. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying the shit. Yeah, you know it's funny. I, I don't like. I don't think Dracula talks anymore. Mm. Just why not? <laughs> he just stops talking. He stops <laughs> being there in general. That's one of my. Well, we'll be called stories. Dracula, and he just doesn't show up. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Christopher Lee, like, just you know, notoriously, the scripts get getting worse and away yeah. from the source material. And he's like, I'm not saying this shit. And then they're like, well, if you don't come back for this movie, we're going to fire the entire crew and yeah. do something else. And he's like, well, fuck, I can't do that. Right. So I'll, co- I'll come back, but I'm not saying any of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's w- that's where you get the movie we watched uh, that time, Lee. Uh, Is that the one that's t- like... A- yeah, taste the blood of Dracula. Where is that the one that's almost like a slasher movie, like the way he's picking off people? Or no, that, oh, okay. that I think that's um, I think that's Scars of Dracula, Maybe. where he's in the castle. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. One where it's like it might as well be a slasher movie with Dracula. It's you know, but but it was it was, it was the same thing. It was like he he wasn't going to say the dialogue anymore. But like in Taste the Blood of Dracula, Dracula is almost just a physical manifestation of the metaphor of the hypocrisy of the Victorian era (laughs) morality, basically, because he he just like literally he's got maybe like five lines in the movie. Oh, yeah. okay, that's the one where, yeah, six lines. I remember that that is famous for six lines of dialogue. Like his 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 fucking his fucking uh, uh, cult follower brings him back. And then the people who were doing the ritual with him kill him. And so he's come back. He's going to avenge his servant. He's like, they have destroyed my servant. They will be destroyed. And then it's like, there's three people. So it's like, he gets people to kill one of them. The first, the second, the third. He's and it's like, like he's, he's got like one other line after that. And it's he's like, like, look, I will count. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's about it. He's, he's, yeah, he's literally the count for the Sesame count. Street yeah, in that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's you know, I, I wonder if actors have more leeway to do that stuff now, or is that stuff they really couldn't get away with now? I don't know. Uh, it's weird because the studio think, system made it so it was like they didn't have much power. But then you would see these guys that would just kind of like bulldoze their way through it anyways, and just. I mean, no. when when you're when you're the figurehead of this series and it's making right. like a shit ton of money for Universal. Yeah, I bet gonna... Yeah, I bet they're going to give him some, and especially like you're saying, he's he's Sherlock Holmes in these movies. He's also Sherlock Holmes on the fucking radio, and more people are listening to radio than watching right. movies. So, yeah. um, I mean, you 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 can't say no to Sherlock Holmes, who's making you just millions in right. you know 1940s money you know like fuck off it's like <laughs> we'll let we'll let fucking basil rathbone shit talk yeah stuff or, or or you know have his way on set because uh we're not going to say no to that right but yeah, uh, there was a no go ahead. there was an article that was talking about i couldn't i had to pay to read the article so i only read the little first little bit but <laughs> oh. it was talking about how sherlock holmes uh pretty much destroyed uh basil so yeah, yeah. It just well. Yeah. I mean, you, you see him after this, and you see him in like uh, like I think it was what the um, the Raven with uh, oh the, the one well, the, the Corman one, ones yeah the Corman yeah. ones you know like yeah. where where he, he, you know he's clearly just like taken 
not great paychecks. He ended up in those Bert I uh, Bert I Gordon movie, like the, yeah. the magic sh- magic sword or something. And yeah, uh, and I mean, talk about an actor that like does not wear well on his face the slumming that he's doing. Like there is no <laughs> like you know, and, and it's unfortunate because like so with with Basil Rathbone like he was a villain primarily before Holmes and then he gets cast as Holmes and that's almost like the you know you always think of like the reaction when Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker and people are like what the heck why mm. like kind of the same thing like you're casting the villain to be Sherlock Holmes and then he flips everyone's opinion and then suddenly they can't see him as anything but that yeah and um and yeah, it's a, and that that part's unfortunate because, you know, I feel like if he had just gotten like, you know, kind of in between each movie, if he'd had like one good non-Holmes role, I, f- I think he, you know, his energy level for the, the series would have sustained because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he seemed to have a lot of initial goodwill towards it, but it just completely and- vanished. And it feels like, you know, he, he didn't get a chance to do that sort of thing. Some actors do where it's like if, if you're commanding enough power where it's like, OK, I'll do this. Yeah. But I'm doing this so I can get to do this. Yeah. You know, outside of it kind of thing. Yeah. Like he didn't really get a chance to do that with Universal. Like even if he had the power to do it, because he was banging these like like we said before, he was banging off like four of these movies a year. Right. And then in, in, in the Universal years of this. So mm. like, uh within the span of like 43 to 46 or whatever. Yeah. Pretty much. It was like, they did like 10 of these. Okay. He had no time to do anything else. Yeah. There's nothing in the schedule at that point. And then again, the radio show is is going on. So, but they had a lot more control over them back then. So I don't know if a studio could pull this off now with an actor. Yeah. Yeah. now, Now you got like guys like, Robert Downey Jr. saying, "Yeah, I might come back for something for Marvel right. if if you pay me enough, you know." Right, exactly. Enough. Yeah, but yeah, in the past, like that would have been uh, not up to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would have been like, "Oh, my character is dead." Well, oh no, it's not anymore. Mm. No, yeah, you're coming. We uh, own you. We own yeah, your exactly. soul. We right. own your your firstborn, your secondborn, and whatever after. Mm. <laughs> j- j- yeah. j- just just feel lucky that you're not an actress and you're an actor, <laughs> sir. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I like this a lot. Um, you know, as much as I'm kind of a fan of like sort of pure homes from the text kind of thing, I'm not against him being transported to the 1940s era. Yeah as like this um you know this basically he he's not the bohemian homes of the early stories because he, he even changes in the original stories from like this sort of bohem- bohemian detective to like servant of the crown kind of thing right. at the end yeah so you know it doesn't feel too much of a stretch that he becomes like this noirish pulp spy smashing hero kind of guy yeah so like it works and i mean fucking Rathbone and Bruce can do this these roles in their sleep and they're yeah. fucking excellent at it. So like like y- you guys are right this is very breezy like again no mystery there's like nothing to it there's no meat to it really. Yeah. It's just the performances and Yeah. 
that's yeah. what sells it for me. It's, but I, thankfully, I it was really good. The people in it give you enough. There's enough scenery chewing going on that, mm-hmm. like, you're like this. I can, I can, I can watch this. Like, I it's this, it's Moriarty being evil. That yeah. kind of and in the set design around him. Like you were Dude. posting some stuff on oh. Twitter <laughs> today. So, so there is. Um, a shot, several shots when you, Moriarty's at his desk and he has an abacus mm-hmm. and the abacus, the, the beads on him are skulls. And I was just yeah. like, that <laughs> is such a hilarious bit of set design. Cause like one, why does he have an abacus in like this crazy hideout that like has so many like trap doors and exits? Like, why did he ever bring an abacus, let alone one that it's skulls? Like, it's just. And again, it was shorthand. He's evil. He's a genius. Yeah. Not only that, he's e- he's an evil mathematician in right. the stories, basically. So right. So they so so cheap universal went skull abacus. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's all you. Need. I didn't even notice that. That's amazing. It, it, it's, <laughs> so like my my favorite shot in this. Um, movie and i don't know if you saw like so i also tweeted um Mm -hmm. so there's um it's when holmes and moriarty are having their like gentlemanly conversation like (laughs) how i would kill you how you kill me Mm -hmm. british (laughs) in the background behind moriarty there is i think it's a vase or a vase pretty sure yeah and it looks like it has the sassiest face (laughs) and that it's like looking at him over his shoulder and just once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. And I'm like, okay, Moriarty now looks like he is uh, being like glared at by like some a household object that is disapproving of him. It kind of, it kind of cuts <laughs> his menace a little bit. You're like, dude, I think, I think the thing you got from like Pier One is like trying to like, uh, you know, make fun of you. But like, I think the I think the best thing though of Moriarty as a character is that everything you see in screen adaptations of him kind of like build on almost nothing from the books because there's nothing really in the books other than, you know, the final problem. He was a device Uh, to kill Holmes. mm -hmm. So like, you know, Conan Doyle had to like, oh yeah, by the way, all this shit that happened in these other stories behind the scenes, he was fighting a secret war with Professor Moriarty all this time. It's like, okay, dude, whatever. It's funny because that is such a a thing that is carried on through so many other, you know, things of storytelling, like to the point where I recently learned, I I recently had to watch an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. (laughs) And it turns out that it was in one of the last seasons and like the next couple episodes after it, um, I guess they revealed that there was like, a, ma- a criminal mastermind behind the first seven seasons. And I was like, there's a <laughs> Moriarty character in Walker, Texas Ranger that they literally add in, in the last like eight episodes oh my of the God, <laughs> they took their writing cues from a guy that like hated his own creation in the like 1890s. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, you think, like, why, you know, why was that the cue you took? But like, but it's funny. Yeah. Like just the whole idea of like the shadowy mastermind that has always been one step ahead. And it's, you know, mm, yeah. It's, pe- people engage with it, right? Cause we, it's very pulpy yeah. and like it works for this universal adaptation of, of the series because it's all fucking spice. Yeah. And pulp from I think it works on, better so. here than it would, than it does 
ever in anything Conan Doyle did or any of the classier like productions because Moriarty almost is too comic booky for like mm-hmm. the rest of the you know well, he's the, he's a he's like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen the comic book series yeah. does this as well but you know he's he's a very pulpish Fu Manchu yep. type like villain you know kind of thing in a way. So, um, and then, you know, where I heard that name from. <laughs> yeah, and like League oh, of yeah. Extraordinary Villain has Fu Manchu. <laughs> yep, and Moriarty is like both part of the British government, and like he's a he's he's a fuck. And in, in the in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, he's actually like a double agent kind of for the British government, who has a criminal empire that's kind of like just set up to fight Fu Manchu, basically. Yeah, but he's also still a criminal. And he's like yeah. saying, you know, fuck you to the government at the same time. So it's yeah. like, yeah, he's almost like the he's the devil, you know, kind of one, you know, where it's like, all right, you know, we're going to kind of have an uneasy alliance with you because maybe you side with us more. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it's weird, though, because I also kind of don't necessarily understand in this movie their impulse to even have Moriarty be in it. I mean, other than, I mean, it feels like there was any number of ways they could have just created a, a villain that, like, they actually had to go out of their way to, like, have Holmes question why Moriarty is mm-hmm. getting, working against his own country. It's like, it was, it was yeah, so, it he, so forced he, that it was like... He, he tries, he, it's just like a line he tries to appeal to his nationalism. It's like, this is not just some simple crime, Moriarty. It's like, right. you're, you're going against your country. The Moriarty's like, I don't give a fuck. Right. Money's good. Yeah, exactly. And in, 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 in a way, that's kind of cool, but at the same time, it also, the writer in me feels like that was a moment where they were like, oh, crap, we never really said why it was Moriarty. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why this was his thing. I mean, it, it easily could have been like just some sort of Nazi spy master of some yeah. sort, you know, because, I mean, that's who they're fighting. They're fighting Nazi spies at the beginning. Like, you got these two Nazis at Holmes tricks, you know, and, and they have this, they have these lines like, oh, how I hate these other languages. And the other guy's like, pretty soon we're not going <laughs> to have to speak any other language. Yeah, they, they were way too confident about that. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of sad that was just kind of there and gone. Yeah, so yeah. You saw them in the beginning, and then it just kind of disappeared. Then it went with the whole storyline with Moriarty. Yeah, well, in the doctor, the the who is it? To- Toffler, Togler. Yeah, the guy yeah. That they like. Yeah, I don't know. Tobel, 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 Tobel. So he seemed shady as hell. Like, and I think that was just the performance because there was mm-hmm. clearly nothing written in there, but. So he gets wa- he gets Watson a lot of dirty looks. Like right, well the the scene where he, like so when like Watson's supposed to keep watch on him, it's like I it sounded like he, it looked like he was going to straight out murder Watson when he's like mm-hmm. good night doctor and you're like, "Oh, okay. Ooh, maybe maybe he's not who he says he is." No, yeah. he just wants to go see his girlfriend, his wife, his wife, right? Or something. I don't uh, know. Fiance, I think it was that he I called told her no Miss, one about. Mrs. Miss <laughs> By the way, by the, by, yeah. By the way, uh, strike a blow against feminism here. She's the dumbest fucking woman, <laughs> because there, there's this part in this where they're doing the whole sequence about the code or whatever, <laughs> and, and it's like so. They say, "Oh well, this code is much like the one we encountered this other time, Holmes. The substitution of the alphabet." And she's like, 
substitution the alphabet i don't understand what don't you understand right. about how the code is a substitution for the alphabet that's self-explanatory and by the way they're going to explain it for all the other rubes in the audience who you are oh. apparently related to by you know uh, not too many generations removed uh like brother sister kind of thing <laughs> where there's tree lines a tree stump mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> she she had the express role of like handing envelopes to people that was her mm-hmm. role in this movie it was receive an envelope put it in a desk get an em- comment on the envelope and then basically that was it she didn't yeah. look like a blonde either just no, <laughs> no, but but she she was definitely a female that Holmes approved of because she was a stupid one. Uh, <laughs> Holmes notoriously in pretty much every adaptation you ever see has very little regard for women. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. But well, and that's one thing I'll have to say also is, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier that I think Basil Rathbone really does the whole uh he's a jerk, but he's a likable jerk. Mm-hmm. better than some people because some people really lean too far into the like oh he is like socially inept awful mm-hmm. horrible and I, I feel like Basil Rathbone plays him as the guy that like is just a little impatient yeah. you know with you like it's he's a little yeah not not great on manners necessarily but mm-hmm. like it's not out of a lack of like you know affection for someone like um, and I know there's a lot of like the Holmes purists that, you know, hate that about the way Rathbone plays him. Whereas for me, like, I, I honestly prefer, you know, I know you, you mentioned like you're kind of a Holmes purist in a way. Like, and it's funny because like for me, it's like this version of Holmes and Watson, I think is, a, is an improvement over what uh, Conan Doyle did. Like, I, I like that, you know. I guess we could talk about Nigel Bruce's Watson, which I think might be one of the first like um, instances of nerd rage about casting that like <laughs> exists because like people bitched about it back then yeah, about like how he is not like the Watson in the books and you know, all this stuff. And there's actually um, one of the radio programs. Uh, there's an episode where they are going to meet with an actor who is playing them in a staged version of like some of their adventures and oh, yeah. Nigel Bruce's Watson complains about like the guy that cast him, they cast as him. Cause he, uh, he just like mutters and bumbles and blah, blah, you know, basically <laughs> he called, he says exactly what the angry nerds were saying about his casting. And so, I, and I was like, man, that must be one of the first times I mean, because think about this in the 40s that people are like Mm. reacting to like casting like that's not my Watson, you know, (laughs) I'll I'll fully admit, like when I first started watching some of these, I was was a little hesitant on it because like I do like I I like Watson as, you know, he's not. (laughs) Yes, capable. You know, he's not. He's a very man of his time, British man of his time. He's got all the sort of prejudice preconceived notions and stuff of, of a man of his class in those days, yeah. but he's not, he's not a bad person or anything, but he's not a right. bumbler either. Right. Right. But, no. but, you know, as far as like a visual thing with, with this series and stuff, he works very well with Basil Rathbone's homes. Like he, he's yes. a very good foil to it. And I mean, yes, he does have some bumbling comedic stuff, mm-hmm. but it still works. See, I mean, I, I, 
I think one of the things that it does is it goes a long way to make Holmes more likable because how bad can he be if this is the guy that he's like hanging around with, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. and what I don't know actually is how much of that was an intentional thing and how much of that was just a rapport that kind of, because Bruce is kind of always him. I mean, like, like Mm -hmm. Nigel Bruce is not one of those guys with a significant He's got a good career, but not significant range. I mean, he's yeah, no, he, he made mumble this character, yeah, yeah. So they must have had some idea that you know, going into it, even at the Fox ones, that they were reinventing him a little bit. Biz Rathbone, you know, stuck up for oh yeah, they, for for Nigel Bruce's version. Like, so you you got to think like part of it is uh, what Rathbone's bringing to the performance because when he's when he's talking to Watson, like you know. He makes excuses for Watson. Mm-hmm. He, he every time he's maybe dressing down Watson on something, he's doing it very kindly, like with a smile. Like he's mm-hmm. he's not he's not the Holmes from the text who sometimes yeah. just like very coldly dismisses Watson as an idiot almost, you know. There are times where I feel like you tweak the text just a little bit and it's a terrible sitcom about like an odd couple like sitcom mm. like where they might as well be like putting like tape down the center of the room like okay, you stay on this side I because there will be like offhand comments where it's like and Holmes was lost in thought and didn't say a word to me for two days and you're like that's a weird like you're living with a psychopath at that point <laughs> like, if the person you're living with is just like not answering your questions and you can see him they're like literally he's in that chair like and he's not responding to you that's it's like a bad living situation it's like it's a form of abuse yeah it's like it's like holmes i can see you over there are you going to tell me about moriarty and he's just like playing the violin yeah. and he starts playing it a bit louder as home as watson keeps trying to ask him questions it's like yeah although i feel like i feel like the watson of you know Especially if it was like the Watson of like the Guy Ritchie movies mm-hmm. in, in those stories, he'd, he'd just like pull his pistol out and shoot him. Well, see, and, right. And that's almost the weird thing, right? Like is it I think it, in the in the home or in the Conan Doyle stories, like Watson is very capable. He's but he, you know, while it's a British thing, like I he he reads to me like almost like he's the all American guy, right? Like he mm-hmm. very middle of the road, very like, Oh, he played sports in high school. And like, he's, you know. uh, he, he's the, he's the pulp adventurer of the stories, basically, but, but blander, like mm-hmm. that's the weird thing is it's like, and I think that's maybe why, like I will, I like Nigel, Nigel Bruce. Cause I felt like he really brought something to the character. Now Jude law, honestly, like, I like that first one, the guy, the first uh-huh. uh, Downey Jr. Guy Ritchie mm-hmm. one. Like, I, I, I know I watched the second one, and I seriously don't remember it. Like, okay, I'm the same way. I've watched okay. it twice, and I still feel like I don't remember it. I remember the first one. Yeah, I can't the, first, the, one. the first one felt like I don't know. The first one had some cool style, and it, you know, I it was funny. Like I, and, and and I should say like with with Holmes, you mentioned earlier bringing him into what was then modern times. That was a huge deal when they did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it the first one? Was it in Washington? The first of the I can't remember. Or no, uh, Voice of Terror. Or, Voice of Terror, I think. Yeah. Where they have the title card at the beginning of the movie that says, "Though the source material is from whatever we think this character works, even in the modern <laughs> times." They, they 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 knew it was such a big deal that they were bringing him to the modern times that they put a disclaimer, and it's like, yeah. But I, I tend to think like. 
it's a character that you could make work anytime, you know, mm-hmm. and can can go through different interpretations. But yeah, I just uh, I don't know what it is about that that second one. I just wasn't Moriarty the <laughs> bad know. guy in that one too? Like yeah, the the problem is I like, they, remember. Yeah, the problem is they they tried to force so much stuff into it. I feel like it, it felt like there's like three movies in one going yeah, on in that film. I totally so, don't remember it. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what this is about. No. Um, so yeah, like uh, just just a couple more points I want to mention that I, th- I just sort of like stood out to me on this. Like uh, the opening scene, newspaper on a stick. Like they, they go. Oh my god, pub. I was gonna bring that up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, waiting to bring that up. <laughs> I was like, is, is that a thing that uh, that yeah. was that was common? It's like I holy shit, the same friggin' thing. <laughs> that was it, that was one of those things. As you like start the movie and you see that you're like, what is what what is this? There's a like, newspaper and a stick. It's like but, it's like on a it's like a flag. Like they you pick it off a rack. It's like a flag with a news, but the flag's the newspaper. It's like I feel yeah. like I've watched enough older movies and to see this for the first time just kind of yeah. blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it was trying to tell you you were in a foreign country and that's how they oh do newspapers. I don't well, know. Maybe. And, and and here's my second point fucking London as portrayed in this movie is so foreign. It feels like they go back to fucking Victorian times. Right. Because everybody Holmes encounters on the streets of London when he's in disguise is right out of fucking Victorian time. Yeah. They were a little uh, confused, I think. The research done for the costuming in this one wasn't... Well, the research after. they did for the costume is, is they went into the wardrobe department and said, what do mm-hmm. we have? <laughs> what do we have left? What's still fixed? Yeah, sweet. What's okay, the- fine. Because <laughs> they still have those. What's wearable? Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, Holmes disguises himself as this, like, uh, foreign uh, villain who's, like, a, a, a known associate of Moriarty or whatever, so he can, like, get back into the underworld and find Moriarty. Yeah, he's the and, I'll cut you guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's basically... <laughs> yeah, uh, he's he's like vaguely uh, like East Indian. I'll cut you, dude. And I, I did enjoy how when he was putting the makeup on, you could clearly see he was going from one skin tone to the next skin tone. <laughs> I very enjoyed that. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> but uh, but, but I mean, the, the, the first guy he runs into is like right out of Treasure Island. Like he's oh, got a peg leg. Yeah. I- it's like yeah. fuck, dude. Yeah. It's like okay, we're back to the Fox series now because right. this is we're back to the fucking like eighteen nineties. Like, what's yeah. going on? And that whole extended period or uh, scene of him in disguise. What information was he really trying to get? Like, was it just the location of Moriarty? I guess that's that's basically it. like I guess he already knew that. Moriarty probably had it set up that you know you inquire about Moriarty and then his associates find you and take you to this place to vet you basically. Yeah, and he's he's good enough to fool Moriarty's associates because apparently they're dumb as shit. Yeah, and 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 they are. And, yeah, and but you know he knew all along that Moriarty was going to you discover him. And yeah, like yeah. So well, and I guess one thing we didn't we kind of mentioned, but so it's called uh, the secret weapon, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I forgot. Yeah, um, and the weapon seems to be very small because it fits into three or four books, Massive hollowed out books. books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yet it also seems to um, be an amazing radar, laser sight, or aiming device, something like that. Yeah, that really triggers stock footage in a. Mi- Oh yeah, 
some beautiful stock footage when they're like, I bet you can't do it again. I'm like, what replay the stock footage? Yeah. I think it'll be just <laughs> fine. Like, but I, I was trying to add a point, like wrap my head around what piece did he make that could then just attach to like an existing bombing site? Like, cause it seems like that's not how those things work. Mm. And I could not figure out for the life of me. And, and I love that they tried everything they could to never show you. Yeah. It. Well, that's I why mean, they did show you. <laughs> the, yeah. the, 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 the funny thing is, uh, so the projector he uses to like to f- decipher the code or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same thing they use for the, the, the aiming device. Oh, basically. the thing that he's looking in, like yeah, in the, it's the same same fucking thing. Perfect. So you know, perfect low budget filmmaking. Yeah, there. just just reuse it, shoot it from a yeah. different angle. Yeah, uh, it, it works. Just one more thing I, I want to mention that just was just sort of struck me, and I didn't realize this was a thing. I actually did some research on this today, just looking at it. I was like, British pound notes, fucking huge. Like, <laughs> I didn't realize that the British actually, like, as the denominations go up, the mm-hmm. bills get bigger. Oh, So, okay. you know, for the longest time when they had British pound notes, so a one pound note would probably be about the size of a actual dollar bill that you, America or the U.S. would have. But then you get to like a five pound note, it's bigger. Then you get to like a ten pound note, it gets like that. So it's like he's holding these two big pieces yeah. of paper, and it's like, what are you doing? What are you paying with those? And it's like, oh shit, those are actually their their pound notes. Like they look like old West money. So like it made it you... really easy to rob people. It's yeah. like, who, who's got money? Well, that guy because I can it. see it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like, like you you can actually fold your money. Like it's like old West money you see in yeah. some films, like where it's like these big fucking like yeah. documents. Like okay, <laughs> yeah, that I looked. At... Yeah, it looked like he was just shaking like pieces of like 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 leaflets at or pamphlets at people when he's like mm-hmm. five pounds or whatever and just like that's a yeah it's like a yeah. little book folded up oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah fuck um i've said pretty much all i want to say about this i really enjoyed it i thought it was really good yeah it was flew by fast it, it's it was a TV series, like it's a TV show. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I've watched longer TV shows now <laughs> than this movie. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Like th- this is not even like the length of a like a pilot episode of like a a show. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I have to say is, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first one where uh, Lestrade, the yes. Scotland Yard inspector is in it uh dennis hui i think his name is who i almost like i think he's great he's just such a goofy guy and i honestly think that like they almost put him in this series to make him to make watson look like serious in comparison they do yeah because you know like as you go along him and watson have like these moments where watson's like this guy's a fucking idiot right yeah so watson's like big man over him Mm -hmm. essentially if holmes is out of the room watson feels like he can be like well yeah they do they do have like a cute little rival rivalry going on in like certain you know in future films so yeah that that is what they do here but yeah but yeah and he uh he becomes pretty iconic in the series but like i think this was the first time that he was in it mm-hmm. um and then the i guess the last thing that i had written down that like i wanted to mention was um and you played it in the opening like with moriarty saying the um, the needle to the last yeah um which is really weird in this series it, it, if you were just taking 
these movies as as the whole universe of Holmes things, that line makes no sense because they right. do not address Holmes, uh, you know, addiction, well, not necessarily addiction, I guess, with, but like usage of drugs. Yeah. Um, Cause I believe in Hound of Baskerville's uh, the last line, I don't remember if it was cut out for a while, but I think it's been restored, which was like Holmes being like, what's in the, needle or something like mm-hmm. basically it was it was like all right i'm going to bed hey watson can you can you hook me up yeah and i think that was cut out for a while um so that is like one of those lines in this movie where it's like you know what it is because you know the rest of the text but it makes no sense that moriarty would say that in in mm-hmm. the context of the movie so I just thought I was, yeah. that always stood out to me because it's probably the most memorable line, actually, of of the movie. And it's also the one that has no attachment whatsoever to anything. Yeah, it, it. It, it, it stands. It's both stands out because people who know the text know like, yeah, Holmes was kind of a drug addict. And it, it also stands out because it's like people who don't know, like, what the fuck's he talking about? Yeah, like exactly. the, it's just like an offhand non sequitur from Moriarty, which makes yeah. no sense. It's like, okay. Um, and I'm actually kind of surprised that, like, at the time, they, Universal let that pass the censors. Even, well, even though it was kind of an indirect, because they didn't provide any context to it, like, they were notorious for, like, anything you can cut, they'd cut. And I just I just kind of figured the hope the censors never read any of the original material. That That's <laughs> what it was. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other uh, final thoughts, uh, Lee? No, that's good. No. I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so budget was two hundred thousand dollars, apparently, and I imagine this probably did m- much better than than just two hundred thousand. Don't have a box office, but yeah, they, like you know, they made they made this basically for nothing and fucking probably made bank because they made 800 more of them in the next right, four yeah. years so it's like fine um you can get this everywhere basically there's like two or three versions on youtube alone you get multiple blu-rays uh, dvd copies i mean they go for the like the mpi media group uh yeah. sherlock holmes collection like, i believe that's the one you have that's right that's one i have the, the, yeah. the fancy leather bound looking one mm-hmm. <laughs> makes me look very smart uh it's also on itunes amazon prime and voodoo i think this one is one there's a few that are in public domain this Um, is one of the ones that was like four of them were yeah four out of the series which is hilarious like and they uh and the ones that went to public domain all got colorized yes those are avoid those (laughs) they look like shit yeah it's like if you if you want to see sherlock holmes look like a fucking romero zombie or right, whatever you know. It's like okay, yeah, it's not do good. It. No, that we covered all the trivia and we'll about, <laughs> so that so that works. Uh, great. So yeah, uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you. Definitely have you back sometime for something. Definitely. Any any uh, more of the Sherlock Holmes movies? I'll, I'll come back for. I've got plenty to say. <laughs> right, cool. Thank you already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, talk about uh, another one now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you have anything to plug, uh, please go ahead. So, um, yeah, I've got some comic book projects um, that are in varying stages of production, some closer to release than others. Um, But if you go to my Twitter, it's at Matt Begins, M-A-T-T-B-E-G-I-N-S, because my name is Matt Anderson, so I can never come up with any. Nothing can just be my name because it's already been taken like 
3000 times <laughs> over. So every handle that I have to have has got to be some weird thing. So at Matt begins on Twitter and you can find stuff there. All right, cool. Uh, you got anything to plug this weekly? No, no, <laughs> this week. no, you haven't, you haven't, you haven't done anything this week. Just no. oh. driving in an air conditioned car. Yeah, that's what yeah. it, uh, honestly, like this, um, school starting soon and i just finished a semester for school so i've just been focused on getting ready for that so should at least should at least check out your instagram right <laughs> i don't even okay last thing i posted i can't even remember what it was like it's been a while since i posted on there you're you can. Wh- why am i paying you to be our social media fucking guru if you're not even putting stuff <laughs> That's, on instagram i'm putting the as much effort as you're paying me that is how it works <laughs> <laughs> that feels that feels like a shot. I'm going to skip past that. Anyways, um, if you want to find me on Instagram, it's at Money Tiny All Star. Yeah, go Instagram. go 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 look go look up episodes that were like from four months ago. Last time she posted. Yeah, like I can't remember the last time I posted anything. I've been like I said, I've been busy with school and school starting again, and it's been fucking hot. So I've just been not. Yeah, oh, I've well. been slacking. <laughs> yeah, um, you want to fight? We'll fight about it. Okay, we'll throw the gloves on and we will fight about it. All right, all right. Um, <laughs> referee. <laughs> it will be uh, a good match. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I don't know what we're doing next time. Uh, we'll figure something out, and uh, you know, join the Facebook group. Uh, they must be destroyed on site on Facebook, and uh, you'll find out what's coming up next. But, uh, yeah, you can find us on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, all that good shit. TMBDOS.podbean.com. Find all the links there. And until then, uh, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye.
for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For further episodes, our Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube links, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through. Drive through.